Welcome to the show. It's Brandon Burns. This is the Team Up podcast and vodcast show. If you're listening, a very big welcome to you and also welcome to this week's episode. We'll dive into that very shortly. But just to remind everyone and encourage you all to review us on the iTunes store, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher and many other platforms. And also you can visit us at teamupdigital.com.au and get in contact with us at info at teamupdigital.com.au. So that's enough from us for now, but on to the weekly show. But thanks again, it's Brandon from the Team Up Show, and enjoy. See you on the other side. All right, welcome back everyone to the latest episode of our Team Up podcast show. We're very excited to bring you an awesome guest this week. Uh, He's someone that's familiar to you all, and I'm sure our audience would, would recognize his face and voice. We last caught up at the Pivot Summit, here in Geelong in 2017, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome our special guest, Chairman of Runway Geelong and Investor, Nick Stanley. Thanks, Brandon. It's great to be here. It yeah, is fantastic. Looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is probably episode or seven of our uh, podcast journey. So, so I'm lucky number seven. Well, we, we deliberately left you for a little bit along the journey because we've now got intro and outro music. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got, um, yeah, we've got a bit more nice artwork, which you can see on the uh, screen behind us. Well, you know what they say, it's like the startup methodology is yep. fake it till you make it. Oh, so, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening out there, um, you're probably hearing us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker SoundCloud. And soon Spotify, so that'll be uh, coming shortly. And those of you watching us on YouTube, welcome. Good to have you back again. This is, is of course, an entrepreneurial and a a startup podcast show. So I hope you get a lot out of today's episode, guys. And just to give you a quick um, uh, outline, we're going to talk to Nick about his journey in particular um, from startup to now his uh, his current role and what he's doing, and uh, talk a little bit about his success and challenges along the journey, and then we'll also talk about his role out here at Runway Geelong, which is which will be an awesome piece. Yeah, great. And uh, also, we're going to talk through the ingredients and the keys to success for a startup because Nick's probably the m- most well versed person in our uh, atmosphere to to talk on that. So I'm really looking forward to the advice he can offer, and we're just going to have a general chat as well. So. I will, I will warn you all that Nick's just fresh off the plane from San Francisco. So That's right, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, onto his third Red Bull <laughs> <laughs> and coffee. Yeah. We're, we're not sponsored by Red Bull, but if they want to reach out, we're, we're open. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, awesome. So maybe I'll get you to um, yeah introduce yourself, Nick, if you'd like, and talk to us a little bit about um, where it all started for yeah, you. Yeah, okay. Sure. Thanks, yeah. Brandon. So uh, Nick Stanley... Um, I've had uh, a couple of startups um, over the journey. I guess uh, the first startup I had, I didn't really know that it was a startup and it wasn't sort of, it wasn't this notion of the sexiness of startups and everything now. It was just, I saw it, I had an idea and I was working for a company and I wanted to sort of follow my dream and... um, and that led me to uh, to actually founding my first business, and which actually there was quite an interesting story about that uh, I might regale you with as we get into it a bit Go more. For it, yeah. Um, and uh, and then led to uh, sort of another startup, and you sort of become addicted to it. Um, yeah. Everyone says sort of um, one of the biggest things about having a, a sort of a success in startup world, if you're lucky enough, is. Um, uh, is the experience and and everyone sort of chases that mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that's where I sort of am now is caught in that cycle of uh, of chasing the next fix <laughs> yeah like. um, and uh, so I've got a lot of different sort of wear a lot of different hats one of the main ones obviously is runway mm-hmm. uh, chair uh, which is uh, an initiative I uh, founded um, a couple of years back and that I'd worked on 
uh, for probably four or five years, mm-hmm. which came out of sort of the um, idea of a, a pay it forward, um, of being able to help others and and put back in, and uh, and then also sort of uh, start up investing. Uh, just come back back, back from um, San Francisco, where I'm a, an LP in a fund called Maven Ventures, which okay. is a great um, boutique fund yep. um, in Silicon Valley, which is doing really well, and. Um, and a couple of startups that are on the go at the moment in various stages of either performing, uh, forming, norming, or going the other way and dropping okay. off the radar. So, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> as, so, as happens. So tell me, Roy, one key takeout from what you just mentioned then was you became addicted pretty quickly to being involved in a startup of your own. Tell me, was it the experience that was the most addicting part or was it the success that you, you managed to experience from an early point? I think... When I hear a lot about sort of the story, and so um, there's, and people love this term, the narrative, it's a bit of a buzzword, but there's the story and everyone, when there's a successful outcome, it's funny how suddenly the rose-coloured glasses go on and it's all this looking back and going, oh, geez, wasn't it fantastic? But it's not always fantastic. And I know from my own journey, it was really, really hard. Um, and we had a lot of ups and downs and there's probably, when I look back at it, there would have been three times, um, that in a lot of respects I could have quit and some at the time advised me to quit because, you know, they were pretty difficult times. Um, but it's the, the thing that I found most addictive was the outcome is, um, the actual experience of creating something and that that has value. And then you go through this exercise, um, and uh, and it and it takes that big sort of step to the next level, um, which is often what happens in some sort of a, an outcome event. Um, and for me, that was um, that was um, uh, part of the addiction and and part of the experience. So then you sort of look back and you go, oh, well, wasn't it great? And you know, we had a great time. You do have to have a good journey, and and I was very lucky to go through uh, the especially the Sky Software experience. Um, with some great people. And, so was um, Sky your second startup? So Sky was really probably um, would have been my third real startup, but yeah. in some respects it could have been five or six um, because I had little things that I sort of experimented with along the way. Um, but I had um, I had a, a couple of preceding ones, one of which was uh, sort of a bit between a startup, a bit between a, an SME, um, and was a successful little business, and we sold that, um, and that gave us um, some capital and the opportunity to create Sky Software. Um, and with and a when of you others. say us, you're obviously were you collaborating even from an early stage in your first? Well, you always start? collaborate. Yes, yeah. yeah, you've but got the a, us terminology is not necessarily a fellow uh, business person, but just people who were on the journey with you. That's is that what right. You mean? Yeah, 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 okay, absolutely. Right. So people yeah. within your business and. Yeah, and it's all, you know, it really is um, very much a team effort and, yep. and how you go through that journey. And, and you do, the more that you go through it, the more you recognise you've got to try to make the the uh, journey as good an experience as it can be yes. um, uh, for everyone involved because everyone has different experiences and different outcomes. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the reason I asked you about Sky Software is because for me personally, that's the one that um, I feel like put you on the map, at least to someone like me who wasn't, overly familiar with the IT space in Geelong and Australia, but that's one that caught my eye, obviously, and is that one in particular that was a, a big success for you in some respects? Yeah, it was. Um, it 
at one point, uh, depending upon how you look at the metrics, but we were one of probably the larger uh, privately held uh, technology companies in regional Australia um, mm-hmm. when we were acquired by a tribal group in 2014. How many employees did you have at that uh, stage? Well, we, had, we had getting on to 100 um, employees and uh, contractors. So our total headcount of probably employees was getting close to 70. Yep. And then we probably had another flex of 20-odd um, contractors that yep. were working uh, for us in various from full-time to, to How part-time. How many did you have when you started? Oh, when we started, it was just myself and a dog, you know, <laughs> like, you know in a garage. So. I think I remember seeing an article. It was either in the Addy or GT, which is a local publication in Geelong. And um, had you repurposed a, a sort of a massive office at home or something? Yeah, we had. Well, every good um, startup starts in a garage and, and we yep. did exactly that. So we started the first business, uh, the first startup, um, which preceded Sky, which was called Peppy. Um, and that started in 2005 and we fitted out, it, it was basically um, the loft space yep. above uh, our garage and um, and we built that business. We had, I think, 11 people, mm-hmm. uh, close to 11 people working for us um, when it uh, when it was sold. Yep. Um, and uh, we had a thing at the time is that no more than two people could stand in the same place at the same time because there was a risk they could go through the floor. But um, apart oh, from that, you know, we were very, very conscious of our OK health and safety yeah. obligations. Yeah. I, I, I joke because it, it, it was actually quite a, a – uh, by, you know, the standards now with the, you know, repurposed buildings, it was a yep. pretty cool sort of building. It was an old Yeah, uh, an I think old it factory. was even featured in the shoot, but I just remember – I think I read somewhere in that article too that was there a point where – you had to take a fair bit of a risk with that that business and getting off the ground and employing three or four people really really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I've, there's always when you look back on it, there's probably um, it, there's always these binary things, um, and you don't know them at the time. I think you get better the more that you go through the experience of being able to identify those really important moments and saying, you know, it's an A or B type thing. It's a yes or a no. Um, and you've got to make you've got to make the best decision you can make at the time because there's in startup, um, I think in life there there's no absolute right and wrong decisions. There's mm-hmm. just the best decision you could possibly make at the time. But that time you're describing is that a result of uh, a momentum peak or well, it a- could be it could be the opposite. Like yeah. you know, for me, another startup I had in between Peppy and Sky was one called Carbon uh, Carbon Control, and knowing to actually get out of that was the best decision for me at the time mm-hmm. in order to pursue Sky. So because was it a decision you could make on your own or did someone help you have a nice I think to go? ultimately there are always decisions you've got to make on your own. Yeah. Um, you can take advice, but you've got to be, and that's, you know, part of the vindication of you are doing the right thing is your belief. Yep. And, and only you have your belief. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, when you're making those decisions ultimately you've got to take as much information as you can on but you've also got to be making efficient decisions because part of our startup methodology is to be able to move at pace yep. uh, and you can't just sit on this and sort of you can get into this thing called paralysis through analysis and you get worried about making decisions so you, one of the things is you've really got to get actually pretty good at making decisions okay Confident decisions, I think that's part of leadership, is good, strong, confident decisions that you make at the 
the best that you can yep. and, and not sort of going back and then going, well, Jesus, I could have made a, a better decision because I then found all of these things out after the fact. Well, yeah. you didn't know them at the time. So you've got to make the yep. best decision you can make at the time. So I'm interested to know because um, that's that's a lot of startups, but also it seems like you're able to find your winning startup pretty quickly. So with walking away from a startup in particular that you're probably really passionate about and everything. Yeah, yeah, well. How did you how did you manage to make that decision quickly? You know, was there one particular thing that happened that reinforced you know I've got to move to the next thing? Or was it just is it an exercise that you conduct regularly that helps you assess where each business is at? Yeah, yeah. It's more the latter. And I think that um I remember reading a I think a thing from uh Ellen Musk saying you've got to protect the downside. And I think that um, that good business people are always weighing it up mm-hmm. and they're looking at the upside and the downside and they're constantly... Because if, if, if you're not, you're sort of caught in a rut mm-hmm. uh, and you're, you're too static and you're a sitting duck. But you've got to be constantly, I think, evaluating the up and the down yep. and you're pruning. It's sort of like a, a, a tree, a garden, is you're pruning the garden and then you're putting some more mulch over here and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and I'm reg- I must admit, I am regularly doing that. Yep. Um, so I'm sort of every month I'm looking at what I'm committed to and where things are going, um, which are good. And I mean, good and bad I, as well. What's going good and what's going bad does not necessarily mean what's making money and what's not. Because yep. I guess now I do a few things that are more pro bono and things that are about... Um, certainly like runway is a whole, the methodology is pay it back um, and pay it forward. Um, and so what's going, so runway is doing well is to say, not necessarily to say, well, it's making money, but it's delivering on what it's there to do, which is to help other yeah. um, startups totally. um, and scale-ups and, uh, and regional ecosystems. And it's doing that. Yep. So, you know, I evaluate that and say runway is doing really well. Um, I'm not making money out of runway, but... It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And yep. uh, so, yeah, you know, you, you're evaluating that. And, and when I look back, um, I think a lot of that, uh, probably historically, you don't recognize you're doing it. And it's probably, I think, that some people are more built to be um, involved in startups and to found their own business and that sort of thing. Unfortunately, I think at the moment there is this big... Um, uh, thing it, it's a sort of really sexy to have a startup but I don't think that everyone's cut out to be in yep. startups it's sort of a little bit like leadership I think that um, great leaders are born they're not necessarily made you can teach a lot of the things mm-hmm. um, but for the person at the tiller you probably want them to have they've got to be inherent yes. um, things that they're doing um, so um, which is not to say that you know that's good or bad it's just to say it is what yeah. it is no that's good so for a for a startup listening or perhaps a young entrepreneur or someone who's embarking upon a startup for the very first time um, let's say you know they may question whether they're a, a born leader what are some ingredients um, that they can they can make sure that they've got lined up and in place to help them have the best shot of success with their startup yeah, so I think that um, uncovering that, like, are you that person? Do you have those talents or can you be a supporter to someone? Mm-hmm. Because to say that um, that uh, not everyone should be in startups is is probably selling it a little bit short because there's a place for everyone in mm-hmm. a startup or in a scale-up or um, that sort of thing. 
but it's knowing that um, maybe I'm not the founder, but I, I might be a, a supporter to the founder. I might be part of the founding team. Um, but being able to identify the role that you play and getting better at the things that make a difference, just because you're a natural leader or a natural entrepreneur does not mean that you're going to be successful either. Um, and it's honing the, the skills. It's like a you know anything that has requires skill, you get better at it from training and from um, practice. Um, and it's like, you know, um, sport. So you might have a talent for football. doesn't mean that you're going to go on to the field and be James Hurd or Paddy Dangerfield straight away. Unless you're six foot ten. You're going to take <laughs> yeah. a chance. Yeah, I guess there's a pretty tall guy playing for Collingwood, but I think he has to learn a bit. But anyway. Um, so let me ask you, Ryan, because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as, as I can understand it, you've got a pretty strong background in sales and marketing, sales in particular, yeah? Like you probably... I guess... Um, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to second guess where you might be going with that. I, I was fortunate. I think I'm fortunate that I've got I've got a technical background, so I'm an engineer. Okay, um, right. And I can I started off coding and um, and right. I I really like math. Um, I was probably lucky that I have a joint skill set in that I can both talk about it and I'm, I've got the confidence to do it. Um, so you know I I. I I know what I'm selling at the end of yep. the day. Um, but yeah, I definitely was more on the, ended up more on the sales and marketing. So, 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 so not luckily, but you know, fortunately with having those two skills together, I mean, just from an outside looking in, it looks like it's contributed to your ability to really take your businesses all the way through. Well, when you look at, like, if you look at a, um, a startup and this is from both your, you looking at your, potential to be successful but I think also from the outside looking in from an investor's point of view there's some key things that you need in a founding team and so I'm really averse to sole founders um, unless they're just amazing because um, it's unlikely that one person's going to have all the skills that you need and so there's like a holy trinity when you look at at tech startups in particular where you want that sales marketing gun you want the commercial operations person and then you have the subject matter um, expertise um, and then obviously you need the technologist and the technology that goes into that um, explain to me the commercial operations part of that like it's pretty easy to understand the sales and marketing element technologist I think what was the other one you mentioned uh, <laughs> Now, now I've forgotten what I said. <laughs> now, what stood out to me was commercial operations in a startup. Um, what's no, that a, role? Sorry, subject matter expert. Subject, yeah, yeah, so subject matter expert. So whatever your startup is, that what it's about, uh, someone knows it back, back inside out. But that commercial operations role, what's, I mean, that seems pretty broad or it almost sounds like a skill set that most would um, neglect it, but rather get a consultant. Well, then, and that's not the right approach because that's, the core to um, okay. So what we're stumbling across here is if yeah. you don't know, uh, or there's a deficiency in your startup, and you don't know yeah. that area, don't don't default to getting someone to consult in. I would rather. I would. It's good to have people to advise you, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I typically steer clear of uh, of consultants playing a key role. Yeah. Um, it's fine for them to identify to you that there may be, might be this gap. Um, but consultants are really good at telling you what needs to be done and less good at actually um, making those things happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a, those, those things are key, so they really have to be part 
and parcel of um, you know, so people. So is it more who, a case of working it out yourself in a group dynamic, learning as much as you can, and then just maybe seeking some advice to reinforce? I think it's going through something like the runway program. Um, is it yeah. is why programs like runway, whether it's the pre accelerator um, or the actual accelerator or the boot camp, they will all test. Have you got the necessary ingredients? Okay. And you will find out yourself by going through that experience of what you have, where you're strong and where you're weak. And it's like, you, you know, you're doing a SWOT analysis on your, your startup mm-hmm. um, or your scale up and you're sort of identifying where those things are. Okay. But in a lot of startups, those skills are inherent in two or three people, you know, so you, you generally, you know, have those things quite closely yep. um, packed in uh, there within your founding team. Um, but you, you're really looking for those things in the founding team because if any of them are, mi- are missing, then that's generally it's going to be a bit of a challenge at some point. You know? yep. So the commercial operations one is often one that comes in later. But yeah. when you think about like a, a startup is all about scale and growth. And so if you're not building your startup to scale and grow, then you're not really building a startup. You, you're building, you might just be building a small business. <laughs> yeah, know? and that, that's an important point. So... So um, is, it, is it a trait of being um, having an appetite for risk or is it more, is there something you have to try and implement in your daily mantra when, you, when you're a startup to, to grow at that pace? Is there something you need to do or a thought process you need to undertake? Because I know from personal experience, being more risk averse myself in business, um, I can see that if you know I was in a startup environment, I, I I could potentially be at risk of falling into that category of being a bit too conservative and mm, not growing mm. at the fastest pace. So how do you sort of and there'd be plenty of people out there who are like that. Mm. How do you sort of force yourself out of that mindset and and remain disciplined at going for fast growth? You know. Yeah, I think when you look at again, it's sort of the the team, and it's quantifying the team to say. Within that team, do we have the right balance? So I know, for instance, in um, so I'm very like I've got an appetite for risk. That's yep. how that, that shows. That's, yep. my, that's um, one of the things that's um, a constant in the startup. So I'll yep. move quickly, um, and sometimes I move too quickly. But that's something that I've recognised is um, is something that I need to be mindful of. So I tend to look for co-founders that are tend to be more conservative. Yeah, right. So, okay. And yep. then we say, well, you have a good balance because you've got someone who's going to charge again ahead hard, but you've also got someone who's saying, you know, watch your P's and Q's and remember you've got to, you've got to cash those checks your mouth is writing. Yep. Um, and so that's then saying, well, have we got the right team? And that's where it really is about a, a founding team. And if, you know, one of the things is in isolation – you struggle to get that perspective as yep. well. So it's just some of the inherent characteristics of uh, teams versus sole founders that make them a little bit more successful yep. because it's often people find it difficult to get that perspective on where their weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the job interview is uh, going in and saying, you know, one of the one of my weaknesses is I work too hard. So yep. it's like people struggle to get that level of perspective. Well done. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll jump ahead a little bit because you've just described how as an investor... Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but as an investor, you've got an appetite for risk. You want to grow quick. You want to move things quick, and you're trying to be more conscious of maybe slowing it down in some instances. But um, for startups listening, how do you win the attention of an angel investor like yourself? So um, 
Is it in the preparation of how you present and pitch your business? Is it in the growth that's uh, occurred in a small amount of time that's exponential? Or is it um, the area that the business is focusing on or the industry that may be an alignment with your passions or your interests? So, so um, you know, to win the attention of you, for example, um, what would a startup do? Would they research the hell out of you? Or would they just be brazen and try and set a time with you and, and get a meet? Yeah. So I think... Um Going back, all of the above would yeah. have some impact. Um, but also going back to the introduction, I think um, there's no guarantees in this space, and you know, there's no, um, there's nothing to say that if I do all of these things, that I'm going to get funded. Like it's, there's just no rhyme or reason to it, especially in the angel space, and and also in the venture space in Australia to some extent at the moment, because I think our venture space is still a little immature. Is it completely different in America? Quickly. Is it it's not completely different, but it is different. Yeah. Um, but then it's also different in America, in the US, in different markets in mm-hmm. the US. Mm-hmm. Nothing's quite like Silicon Valley in terms of how quickly it moves and the appetite um, for risk and the, the nature yeah. of how venture operates there. Um, but going back to sort of the question about um, what, um, what you should do, I look at it more from the point of view of what you shouldn't do. Okay. Um, and so from my point of view, there's some there's some basics you've just got to get right. So you're not going to get funded or you're going to be very, very, very lucky to be funded. We're probably talking about a, um, a gradient here of luck is that the more you do to ensure that you're r- removing the obstacles, the more um, chance you've got that luck will play its part and you'll find an investor. But if you're not doing the right things, you've got a big... Extremely lucky. Like you've got to have a really rich uncle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, fair Who's going to come point. along? So the preparation and you know, and runways a perfect program for this. I'm sure it's just it would prepare people uh, to the nth degree, and 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 I'm sure that's what it's doing, which is which is great. But talk to me about the idea or the business itself. So when something comes across your desk. Is there also an element of when you, I mean, we've all watched Shark Tank, for example, we can see that some sharks go for a particular style of business or or industry, but at the end of the day, can you also take a look at an idea and go, wow, that is just, oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, you do. And um, and there's a whole bunch of different reasons why that's so. Um, You know, there's rainmakers. Um, The fact that someone else has invested in something is always a good thing. Um, and the nature of that investment and who it is um, and uh, their, their profile. And uh, yep. that can often just create a deal in and of itself. And what about if an uh, entrepreneurial startup has put in a significant amount of their own capital? Does that, does that bear weight in um, an investor like yourself looking at a business? That's Im- oh, on? definitely. That's important. Like if because you've probably done that yourself. Put, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, my wife was reminding me um, when we were over in San Francisco recently of how we actually went for quite a long time without um, getting paid. Uh, I think it was like a good year or so. And now also putting money back in to keep the business sort of going this time back in the day. So yeah, that definitely happens and you've got to be prepared to do that. Um, but uh, so, but it's got to be real money because a lot of people come in and they'll pitch to you and they'll say, oh, look, you know, I've put... Uh, couple of hundred thousand dollars in so you put 200,000 of your own money oh no I've I've sweated that so I haven't you know I've put hours in after work and it's a different thing yeah it's a different thing to taking you know two hundred thousand dollars out of the mortgage 
and putting that down. That's a that's a fundamentally different thing. So it's got to be real money. Um, and I think that uh, obviously the the fact that you're prepared to sweat, I I believe that you yep. know. But everyone's going to sweat. Um, yeah. But it's if you put your own money in. Um, and then it's the other investors. It's making sure that you have the basics covered. Yes. You're, you know how to pitch. You don't have to be the slickest person in the room. Um, and often, actually, that can work against you because what angels are looking for, I think, is a relationship. And they're looking for yeah. someone that they can um, identify with and they can go, yeah, I can see myself, you know, there. So not mentor, but just identify with, relate to and see that someone. Well, I guess angels are viewing that they can mentor and that's something else you're looking for is that they're mentorable. Yeah, with Um, the time available that you've got. Yeah, that's right. When when, Just to be clear, when you mentioned mentoring, like it's not a sit with your day by day in your business. Well, different different angels, I think, have probably got a different appetite uh, for that sort of thing. I was actually having a really interesting conversation with a couple of people um, at the Battery in uh, San Francisco about this in particular. And one of them who'd had a really high profile exit from uh, a a social platform um, was saying that he's actually stepping back from angel investing because, you know, it's like I can't actually give them the value that they that that's fair to them um, and that that makes sense for him. So, you know, it's it's always a balance. And so when you're looking at it from the other point of view of, okay, so what sort of an angel am I looking for? You need to also know what you want and what you need, you know, what could be missing in your team. Do you need some more sales expertise? Do you need some more operational expertise? Do you need some growth uh, tech, whatever it might be? Where's your gap and what are you going to most benefit from? So, so okay, so um, we're in the shoes of a startup and we're compiling a list of um, ideal prospects, uh, angel investors that, you know, if we, you know, fingers crossed could get, get an introduction and perhaps even have them as our angel investor, we'd be so happy. So what's going to be most important? Is it trying to get them to give us money? Is it going to be trying to get them to mentor us? Or is it maybe trying to also get access to their network? It's all of those. So your yep. angel, a good angel investor will bring all of those things mm-hmm. um, and will know how to engage with you as well. So you're probably looking at someone who's also got experience being an angel investor. So is it, so when, when looking, is it, is it ideally looking for someone that's maybe publicised in some manner themselves as being an active angel investor? Because obviously we can all think of people off the top of their head in our networks that might be cashed up. But they're not. Yeah. Um, so they might have I, no the, experience. They're not angel investors. They're what you call fools, family, and friends. That's the <laughs> level before angel investment. Yep. Angel investment is actually quite a, a precise thing. It's almost like some people do it as an occupation now. Yep. So um, it's not just money. It's a process, yep. and 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 uh, there's a way to engage. The thing is that there's now a lot of groups. So we've got one locally, which is the Gain Geelong Angel Investor Network okay. um, group, which we're now looking at syndicating across regional uh, Victoria. So awesome. we're in conversation with Ballarat actually at the moment Fantastic. Um, uh, to, to syndicate uh, and set up a new angel network there. But they have a process. And so they'll um, step you through that process and then you'll be able to engage. So going to those groups is probably the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, I very, very infrequently respond to direct overtures. In fact, that would be zero respond to yep. direct overtures um, because I just get so many of them. What about a direct message on LinkedIn? No, that's how most of them come. So, yeah, look, if 
I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not engaging with you. So if I'm yep. getting an unsolicited um, uh, request on LinkedIn, which I get every hour, pretty much, yep. I'm not responding to it. Yeah. Because you have to think. Like I see so many of that. I'm generally responding to ones that come via my network. Mm-hmm. So if someone says to me, "I just spoke to such and such. I've got a great idea. You know, um, I'd like to talk to you about it." That's fundamentally different. Or if it comes by one of the groups I'm associated with, yep. you know, GAIN and then the Melbourne Angels and then Investors Org is another one as well. Um, then they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're better, what you call vectors. Yep. Um, but going back to your question at the start, what one thing am I looking for if I'm going to sort of like target? One of the biggest mistakes I see is like a shotgun approach is people going and saying, okay, we need to raise a half a million dollars. Um, so we're going to go and try to get 10 angel investors. Mm-hmm. What you want is one investor as a first point of call. Yep. So generally speaking, I like to go after a cornerstone and then you go from there. Because once you've got one Can you just explain committed, cornerstone? Uh, so a cornerstone investor is generally someone who is going to come in and lead around. So they're going to be the center point and yep. they're going to be the first one to go in. You might strike a slightly better deal with that person mm-hmm. to get them as a cornerstone. Uh, they might uh, then help to get others into the round. Um, but that's the that's the model you should be um, pursuing a little bit more, I think, rather than sort of this scatter gun, let's try to get as many around the table as we can. Mm-hmm. Let's target a little bit more. And then once we've got a, a commitment from someone, let's then take that to the next level and, and look at filling out a round. Okay, so I've got, two, I've got um, three more questions. First one is, and this is really important for people to understand, talk to me about your opinion and your thoughts on the average life cycle of a startup and what to expect time-wise from the journey. Well, it's different for everyone. Um, you know, there's, there is, there's no standard. So, um, again, sort of referencing my uh, visit recently to um, San Francisco, and uh, and Maven, um, you know, they've got um, portfolio companies which include uh, the likes of Cruise. So Cruise was the sixth fastest unicorn of all time, <clears throat> from founding um, through to <coughs> excuse me through to exit um, was two and a half years, um, and right. they had a, a an in excess of a billion dollar exit um, after two and a half years. Um, and yet, you know, there's others that, uh, you know, another portfolio company is Zoom. Um, now, Zoom have been around for a bit longer than that. Uh, they're, again, another billion dollar valuation company, but a fundamentally different um, scenario. They're not looking at exiting at the moment, at least the best of my knowledge. Um, and, you know, where to next could be anything, you know, could be an, anything and everything. Um, so, so everything is different. In my own experience, I had, as I mentioned, um, a startup uh, which uh, I'd sold, which preceded Sky. That took six years to build. <coughs> Just under six years, I should say. So um, from 2005 to 2010, when we exited, uh, we built that from, you know, uh, to basically a little lifestyle business, um, 11 uh, staff and, um, and you know, uh, about a, uh, a little over a million dollar um, sort of revenue, um, and uh, and then we had another business, Sky, which we grew to um, uh, nearly a hundred staff, um, more than ten times as much revenue, um, and that took two and a half years. So it was half the time 
for 10 times the outcome. Mm. Um, and that was actually, reflecting on that was one of the key reasons why I wanted to found Runway. Because I looked at that and my own experience in having founded both startups, or been a co-founder with Sky uh, and Michael McKean, uh, who's my co-founder, and Clive Mayhew, who was our, um, our chair and principal investor. Um, and I remember that the, um, you know, thinking about why, what was the key difference there? Mm-hmm. And it came down to three things for me. It was access to capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so having lined up, you know, good founding team, um, talent and all this sort of stuff, actually having access to money was was important. Yep. Um, and uh, then having access to um, mentoring and advice, which I got from the likes of Clive, yep. um, who'd been there and done it before. Um, so getting his input and then having an access to uh, access to networks yep. was the third thing. And that was then sort of something to say, well, I was lucky to find those things in uh, this when I had Sky. Um, so how do I bring that to others? And that was really sort of the genesis of where Runway came from, because it was like, how do we bring that to the regions? We were a regional startup and we did well um, uh, locating in a region. Our head office was in Geelong and uh we could have gone to Sydney or Melbourne or international, but um, how do we bring that into other regional locations? And so we've assembled those capabilities and expertise and training in a platform that provides exactly that access yep. to capital, access to networks and access to uh, mentoring. Mm-hmm. And we think they make a, a big difference once you've lined up a lot of the other things. Beautiful. All right, we're almost out of time, but I've got one last question for Nick, and this is an important one. It revolves around, I reckon, one of the most important words in the startup space, and that's why. So tell me, Nick, why startup in the first place? Because you have to. Okay. Yeah. So if you are, if it's the right thing for you, you'll just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that was for me, it was like uh, a continual sort of itch that I had to scratch from quite a young age I, I remember um being you know even at uh university I was constantly doing different things of trying to make money and trying to do you know explore uh entrepreneurial things and um and it was just something I always wanted to do um and had to do and so yeah the why is for me uh because I had to and I had a pretty compelling story which I might relate back to you on a, a future yeah uh, podcast uh, yep. which talks about something which is a little bit more ethereal, which might pique an interest. But I believe in this notion of the business gods and you have to sort of listen to um, sort of the ryth- rhythms and uh, and everything has like a natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I had a pretty uh, profound experience in starting up my first startup, mm-hmm. which was when I was very sort of arming and ahhing, should I leave this really good job that's paying the mortgage and, you know, I've got a one-year-old at home and all of this sort of stuff. Um, to saying actually I'm going to throw that all away and I'm going to go and take a mortgage a second mortgage on the house borrow fifty thousand dollars and go and do this thing um, and earn nothing and go off into the the um, the, the wild blue yonder mm-hmm. um, and for me there was a profound experience that I had that encouraged me to do that so maybe that will encourage uh, your listeners to come back for a uh, for a follow-up uh, where Mate, we can... if, if you, you'll come back we'll have you back <laughs> would love to be back Brandon all right, well, Nick Stanley, investor and chairman of Runway Long, thanks for your time and looking forward to uh, the next podcast together. Fantastic, Brandon. Cheers, thanks, mate. Thank Pleasure. you. Thank you very much. Our 
another amazing episode here on the Team Up Show. Thanks so much to our wonderful guests. That's it for now, guys. But don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes Store, on Stitcher and Spotify. And to get in touch with us, maybe you want to be one of our next guests. Or maybe you've got some suggestions for our content. We're more than happy to hear from you. You can email through at info at teamupdigital.com.au and find us across social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For now, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you on the next episode.